Today, I want to talk about how our national security is strongest when approached on a bipartisan basis. When I started working in the U.S. Senate in the early 1970s, there was an old adage at that time, quote, when it comes to national security, politics should stop at the water's edge, end quote. And this approach has proven to be the most successful for our country, as well as our allies and partners, whether it's a major policy issue like the Panama Canal Treaty or the sale of AWACS to Saudi Arabia, the Reagan defense buildup, the Cold War bill down, the first Gulf War, arms control treaties, weapons and military modernization, DOD organization and operations, and the challenging current debates from the size of the defense budget to dealing with the rise of an economic and military powerful China and revanchist Russia. None of these issues can be successfully resolved in weeks or months, and in some cases, years. So our nation needs to make sure the solutions are supported on a bipartisan basis and that they can stand the test of time, which is not possible in the national security field when they're based on the quicksand of partisan transitory approaches. This is especially true when you understand that divided government is the norm in our nation, not the exception. In the last 56 years, 36 had at least one of the three decision bodies, the executive branch, the House or the Senate, led by the opposite party. The closely unified government we have now is actually the exception. And we are again facing some perennial issues, like the size of the defense budget. How much for defense? The overall nuclear modernization of the triad, the three elements of nuclear deterrence. Many social and environmental issues. The press for strong oversight of what goes on in the Department of Defense. And the general concern about ongoing overseas operations in the Middle East and Afghanistan, for starters, all of which have generated partisan tensions. But the legislative committees of jurisdiction, the Senate and House Armed Services Committee, and the Defense Appropriations Subcommittees continue to operate in mostly a bipartisan fashion, bucking the adverse trends on the domestic front in the rest of the Congress and the executive. The major legislative vehicle that Congress uses to implement its constitutional responsibilities to provide for the common defense is the annual National Defense Authorization Act. It has been passed into law for 60, 60 consecutive years. Some years it was touch and go. For example, 2020, when President Trump vetoed the fiscal year 21 National Defense Authorization Act, but that veto was overridden by the Congress on a strong bipartisan vote. And in fact, was the only veto ride, uh, override of the entire Trump administration. This is a testament to the leadership of the defense committees who both now and in the past have put national interest ahead of political interest. And it does not matter who controls the Congress and who is in the White House. A good example from the past is the MX missile whose basing mode was controversial in both the Carter and Reagan administrations. Despite his strong support for President Reagan and the defense buildup, Chairman John Tower, the then Republican chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee, opposed 
the new MX basing mode that President Reagan proposed, and it was not approved. It was turned down by the Congress. Another example in 1986, the Congress passed the Goldwater Nichols reorganization legislation, strengthening civilian control of the military and streamlining military operations in the chain of command over the strong objections of the Pentagon at the time. And despite the heated rhetoric that is a staple of today's political discourse in the national security area, there is unification behind specific issues like ensuring we deal with China's military built up and economic prowess. There's bipartisan support for that. There's similar bipartisan agreement that we need to work with our allies to deal with the nefarious actions of Russia's Putin, both in terms of his aggressive attacks on his neighbors and also on the US political system. Cybersecurity is another area where there is bipartisan agreement on the vulnerabilities and the need for more aggressive action. There's bipartisan support for pursuing the emerging technologies so fundamental to our national and economic security, such as microelectronics, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, and many, many more. All agree that the military family housing scandals needed action to improve this area, and there's similar dissatisfaction with the pace of needed improvements in dealing with the sexual assault issues and military suicides. Finally, while there will be heated debate on the overall top line for defense, again, how much is enough, there is bipartisan recognition that we need to get more bang for the buck for every defense dollar we spend, no matter the final level, especially in dealing with DOD's massive overhead spending and antiquated business processes. While there will continue to be disagreements on specific issues, I am confident the defense committees and the civilian and military leadership in the Pentagon will continue to address our national security needs on a bipartisan basis, just like they have for all the years I have worked in this field for decades. Because when it comes to national security, politics should stop at the water's edge as our nation is strongest when that is the case. Thank you for listening.